Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey, a channel of blessing and encouragement for friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We have stories of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we have the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job. I'm very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz in Jovellanos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as chief connection makers in the United States. Our team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants is dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. And so we pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons and reflections and the testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Well, welcome, beloved listeners. Today, we're going to talk about God's timing. You know, the saying goes, he's always gets it right. He's always on time. So we're going to look at an example today from the scripture. There, there's this guy named Lazarus, right? And Lazarus is really sick. Now, Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus, and he lived in a little town called Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus used to hang out with them all pretty regularly. Now, there's some interesting stories about Lazarus' sister. You know, Martha was one of those women who has to make sure that everything looks all good when company comes, and she freaks out a bit about the condition of her house. And the gospel writer Luke mentions that one time when Jesus was staying at their house, likely one of the first times, she got really upset because while Jesus was talking with the guys in the living room, Mary would just sit there at his feet, and she kept trying to soak up everything that Jesus said. And Martha came in and started lecturing Jesus about how she got stuck doing everything by herself, and that he should tell Mary to come help her. And Jesus looks at her and says, chill out, Martha. You get yourself all bent out of shape about all this stuff that doesn't matter all that much, but Mary, she understands. I'm not going to tell her she can't sit here and listen. This is all either of you need to worry about. It's like he was telling Martha that it's good to serve and take care of details and all of that, but you really should be listening to God first so that you know what to do. The funny thing is, though, as the relationship developed, Jesus honored Martha for her service. The last time he had dinner with them, although it wasn't at their house, right before he was crucified, Martha served him. Jesus understood that serving people was how Martha showed her love, and he wasn't going to go knocking on Mary for having a different way of showing her. It is likely that Jesus didn't really have his own house during his ministry. As the scripture said, birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. Well, more or less. Jesus had several places where people let him stay, like Peter's house up north in Capernaum. Mary and Martha's home was one of those places, too, where Jesus could count on shelter and love and company. And it's clear that they loved each other. And so if Martha was this worker bee, showing her love through service and doing things, Mary was the opposite of her sister. Uh, we think Mary was at likely one point either a prostitute or at least something of a loose woman. And three writers in the Bible remember a story in which Mary broke open a jar of really expensive perfume and poured it out on Jesus in the middle of a dinner party. It was pretty undignified, and people were tripped out by it. And both the guy whose house it was, the Pharisee known as Simon the leper, and Judas, who was Jesus' disciple, got pretty ticked at her. And if the perfume wasn't enough, then she let down her hair and dried his feet with it. And this was way out of line. Only shameless women let their hair down in public in those days. So seeing Mary do this and worse, seeing Jesus let her do it, really had these guys' shorts all up in a wad. But Mary didn't care what people thought was proper. She had been changed by the presence of Jesus in her life. She'd been an outcast, but Jesus called her to be part of the kingdom. And because of this, she was unafraid to express her love for him in a public place. Mary understood how much she'd been forgiven, and Jesus honored her for this. Okay, so back to our original story now. Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus, and it said, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love. 
They had to have been seriously close buds. <laughs> Jesus really loved his family, all of them, and they loved him back. There, this was an intimate friendship, just like we might have with our closest friends. Jesus told him not to worry, that the end of the story would not be death, and that Lazarus was sick so God could be glorified, and so God's son could be glorified. But for some reason, though, he decided not to take off for their house right away. A couple of days later, he told the apostles that they should go back over to Bethany. And the guys really weren't crazy about the idea because they'd just left there not long ago after a bunch of angry religious people tried to stone Jesus. Jesus wasn't very popular with those circles. And anyway, Jesus confused his disciples by saying that they should go anyway because Lazarus had fallen asleep, by which he meant he died. But the guys figured that falling asleep is a great way to rest up and get better if you're sick. So why do we need to go over there right now? Then Jesus clarified, look, guys, Lazarus is dead. And it's good, though, for you that I wasn't there when he died because I want you to believe in something important. So we need to go. And then Thomas looks at the rest of them and says, great, let's go back where they tried to kill us so we can die along with him. Now, it took a full day or more to walk over to Bethany where the family was. And when they got there, Lazarus had been dead and buried four days. The Jews buried people on the same day that they died. And many of the Jews from Jerusalem had come out to see Mary and Martha and when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out on the road to meet him, and she left Mary at home. When she got to Jesus, Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Can you imagine how hard it must have been and all the emotion that Martha was feeling? Now, what's cool about Martha's faith in Jesus and how it had grown is that she goes on to say, but I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha has graduated from complaining at him when things don't go her way to trusting him even in the loss of her brother. And when Jesus tells her that Lazarus will rise again, she doesn't think about it being in that moment, but she remembers the promise that the faithful people of God will be raised from death in the end time, in the resurrection. And Jesus then says the most mind-boggling thing to her, the promise that that resurrection is in him. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he looks at Martha and he asks, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I marvel at the bravery of the people who believed in Jesus at that time. Most people of, in the faith would have taught you that you were nuts to believe in some guy who says that he's the fulfillment of God's promises. But here's Martha saying just that. The risk of believing in Christ was and is incredible. We're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on The Ancient Path. At Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed, to see people set free from what holds them captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you would like to be a covenant financial partner or just simply contribute to the work of the ministry, visit our website at ancientpathministries.org, check out the church in action, and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we are back, and back in Bethany, where Jesus at this point asks for Mary, and they send someone back to the house for her. And he's not quite made it to the village just yet when Mary comes running. Now, the people who were comforting her just figured she was overcome with emotion and needed to go to Lazarus' grave, so they followed behind her. When she got to Jesus, Mary was like that lady you see at the funeral home who just can't take it anymore, and she falls down wailing. Uh, right there on the ground in front of Jesus. And, and just like Martha, she cried out that if Jesus had been there, her brother would still be alive. Having looked at Martha before, Jesus now sees Mary and her suffering and the crying of all the friends who are at the house, and he too is deeply affected. 
The Bible says that deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was God, but these were his friends. And crying himself, he asked to go to the tomb. We make a big deal out of what we call the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But the fact is, it's not a verse. No one wrote this story in verses and chapters. It's not a verse of scripture, so much as it is an acknowledgement of something very important about our Savior and our relationship to him. Do you get it? When his friends, when people he loves are suffering, Jesus feels it too. He's God, but he became fully human so we could have complete relationship with God again. And when we are suffering, Jesus feels it. Anyway, the people who saw how Jesus was brought to tears for his friends were impressed by his love for them. Some of them were skeptical of his power, though. At this point, they'd see him restore sight to the blind and hear stories of many healings, and they wondered openly why he couldn't stop Lazarus from dying. But Jesus, still feeling deeply moved, went to the tomb. Now, the tomb in those days would have been a small cave carved into the soft limestone hillside, and they would take round stones and roll them into a groove in front of the entrance to seal it. And so Jesus called for people to roll the stone away from Lazarus' tomb. Now, at this point, Martha, still ever the practical one, the proper one says, look, Jesus, he's been in there four days. Do we really need to open the tomb? I mean, it, it's going to smell really, really bad. Ugh. Jesus looks at her and says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Apparently, she doesn't complain any longer because they rolled the stone away, and I don't know, who knows, maybe some of them were holding their noses. I imagine at this point, people are getting a little edgy, though, right? I mean, Lazarus is dead, and the tomb is open, and no doubt the smell is disgusting. Clearly, there is nothing good going on here. What can possibly happen? They've got to be questioning, what is Jesus up to? Why would he put people that he loves through this kind of showboating? What's the point? And then Jesus looks up, and he says, Father... I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so they might believe that you sent me. Now, what goes down next here is in, in my mind, it's like something out of an old B-movie horror flick, but in reverse, right? Instead of the Day of the Dead with zombies walking around all over the place, we get the power of life overcoming death. It goes like this in the scripture. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. A whole bunch of mourners now saw what Jesus did and then they believed in him and they gave glory to God. And they became people who had a share in the promises of the story. Now, if the promises escaped you to this point, understand it. When it seems like all hope is gone, God is with you. When God doesn't seem to care, his timing may not be yours, but he's not forgotten you. When you're crying out, why didn't you get here earlier? God already had it worked out for your good and for his glory. And he was crying alongside of you. God knows the pain of whatever you're going through. No matter what happens, for those who maintain faith in God, though there may be death, and suffering in the moment. There is life and celebration in the end. God loves you with an intensity that will not allow for momentary comfort when there's something of eternity that can be gained if he allows you to get to the end of your strength before he comes to the rescue. Now, most of us who are listening today are people who don't deal well with suffering. We have this image of Jesus that is first and foremost as the victor. And, of course, ultimately, he is. 
But Jesus suffered some things we can't even imagine so that we could share in his victory. But in our culture, we've developed this way of thinking that his ultimate victory means that we simply get to be winners in the moment, right? We make this assumption that no one should ever need to suffer. Uh, we don't think we should suffer from a scratch, a broken bone, a slight, or an insult, or from any sort of pain, physical or otherwise, because Jesus wants us to be happy because we have the victory in Christ. Friends, if we're not careful to check ourselves, we can package Jesus to people as some sort of quick answer to all of our momentary issues and forgiveness for everything we've done and that we will do. We think that faith will fix everything right now and that we'll never suffer, but that's not true. It's a lie. Jesus makes it very clear that if you follow him, you're going to suffer for it. His promise is that he will always be with you through every bit of it and all the way to the end. My Spanish-speaking brethren have a saying, God always arrives on time, in the nick of time, just at the perfect moment. We might wrestle with, if you had spoken to us a little earlier, this wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't be in this situation. And sometimes we can find ourselves skeptical and questioning of him. But often we have to trust beyond our own understanding before we feel God's presence around us in difficult times. Sometimes the death of our own strength has to come before we can experience the strength of God. As the scripture tells us, God always arrives right on time. He always will. And we're going to stop there for today, but next time I want us to explore this a bit deeper because the scripture also tells us, and the history of the church gives witness to moments when it would seem that Jesus does not sweep in and bring the miracle, at least not right on time for some people. There's always more to a story, my dear friend. Beloved listener, as this episode has its premiere, we are coming up on Thanksgiving, and then next week, the day known in the United States as hashtag Giving Tuesday. So before I leave you, I want to take a moment and sincerely thank those people who have made material and financial contributions that make our work possible. The gospel is being extended because of your faithful partnership. Now, if you haven't yet made the choice to invest in this kingdom work, we humbly ask that you make Ancient Path Ministries, La Santa Antigua, a beneficiary of your year-end giving in 2022 and of your partnership into 2023. It will bless you, too. The podcast is a few minutes shorter this week so that you can go set up giving and still be uh, right on time for whatever you need to get done. Just go to ancientpathministries.org. That's ancientpathministries.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page, and you'll see a variety of ways in which you can start your covenant financial partnership with us. Thank you so much for being part of the work. I am Pastor Kevin Job for Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. Until next week, we pray that God blesses you richly as you go and be the church.